Thanks, Sally. Okay, we are going to read, we're going to begin in Isaiah and read Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. So now we're going to turn to Luke chapter 5. Um, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Well, good morning. My name's Stephen, one of the ministers here. Hopefully you'll be able to take me seriously now that uh, after that escapade just a little bit before. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Uh, it's so great to be able to gather together and celebrate um, such a wonderful gift that mothers are to us. I remember when um, Kathy, my wife, and I had our first child, someone gave her a card at that time and it had a quote on it that said something like this, becoming a mother is to forever have your heart go walking around outside your body. Becoming a mother is to forever have your heart 
okay, walking around outside your body. It's 14 years later now, but I still remember that quote because I remember being slightly disturbed by it. Being a parent means there's now this, this tiny little thing that you really care about and a big part of your job is to help them get ready to face the world on their own. You drop them at daycare and you think, will they be okay? You launch them into kindy and then reception and then high school and you think, will people be good to them? When they want to go on a ride on their own or you know, to the beach on their own or to the shops on their own, you're thinking the same thing. And even seeing them go into uni, first day at work, marriage, pretty much at every moment you're thinking, are people going to be good to them? I hope people will be good to them. And some of us, we feel this little niggle of worry that we, we keep under control and some of us don't do so well at keeping that worry under control and we kind of crowd our kids out a little bit because we're so worried. I've got, I've got this friend who um, near his house about a block away is a, uh, a playground and uh, when he lets his kids go there on, on their own, what he does is he goes into the backyard every so often, sends up the drone and has a look how they're going. He loves it. He says, I'm a literal helicopter parent. <laughs> but the thing is, whether someone's a, a full-blown, real helicopter parent or whether they're pretty relaxed, pretty much all of us have this sense, some sense of concern as we send our kids out to face the world. And a big part of that concern is because we're worried about some of the people that they might come across. Will people be good to them? Now today, as Sally said, we're looking at a pretty big question, really, that's related to this. Are people basically good? Or are they basically bad? Now each Sunday over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a really important question like this. And we're considering, first of all, how would our society answer the question? What would our society say common sense is in this area? And then what we're doing is we're comparing that to what God says about this question. And we're calling what God says about it uncommon sense. Because very often what God has got to say about these kind of things, it, do, it just doesn't fully match up with what our society considers common sense. But when we, we stop and really listen to God and, and understand what he's saying, what we discover is he does make sense. His way, it makes sense of the world. It makes sense of our lives like nothing else can. And it makes sense of how we should approach life because God's way works. If he's real, like we heard really convincingly last week that, that he is, if he cares about us like he really does, then it, it's not surprising at all that God's way really does work, that he knows what's best for us. So what we're going to do in this next little while is we're going to first consider what is the common sense kind of answer that our world would give to this question. Are people basically good? And then we're going to consider, well, what answer would God give? And then finally, we're very briefly going to look at, at just a few ways that God's way makes sense of this world. A few ways that his way changes our lives for the better. So what's the common sense kind of answer to this question? Are people basically good? Now, I need to say, first of all, it's not really possible for me to, to completely capture just one common sense answer because it's going to vary from person to person probably depending on the people that we've met in our lives and it's going to vary even from culture to culture 
But what I'm trying to do is not so much come up with a, an exact kind of answer. I want us to just notice the trend, you know, the, the kind of vibe, the constitution of this question. Going with our instinct, you know, what would most people say is the common sense answer? Now, as I've thought about that, I reckon even that, even if you approach it like that, it's still hard to answer. And the reason is the answer is changing, the common sense answer. Now, when I I grew up in the 80s, I reckon the common sense answer was most people are basically good, and even those who are bad, they could be basically good if they tried just a little bit harder. Most people are basically good, and even the bad ones... They could be good if they tried a little bit harder. Think of some Disney movies and other 80s movies. You know, most people are good. There's some baddies out there. But the message is usually that deep down, we're basically good. Even Darth Vader, right? Can you get any more evil than that? But even he, in the end, is basically good. And we're willing to forgive him for all those people he sort of choked with the force and threw against walls. You know, there was that unfortunate episode with the planet where he destroyed it and all the living people on it. But in the end, he's basically good. His heart is good. His true heart, not evil. And isn't that true for everyone? Now, that was one common sense kind of answer to this question. And I reckon it used to be one of the most popular. People are mostly, you know, most people are basically good. Everyone is basically good, essentially. But for some people, life gets in the way and it blocks them expressing that basic goodness. And I don't know if you remember, but it felt like education was the silver bullet. If we could just educate people, then their basic goodness would would overwhelm any sense of badness. Now, I'm not really capturing the the full sort of texture and complexity of, of that common sense answer, but don't you reckon that kind of rings true for a kind of common sense answer that was there in our society. And it's still there. A few bad apples out there, but if only they could get in touch with their core, they'd come good. They can be transformed. But I reckon the common sense answer that that people are basically good has started to change. And particularly if you're under 30 here today, you might be thinking, are you serious? Is that really what we're seen as common sense? No wonder my parents are so messed up. How kitsch is that? Because there's a new kind of common sense that's emerging and it it says something quite different. It says people are either basically good or they are basically bad. Either basically good or basically bad. Our use of of social media and and the internet has really changed how we form ideas and, and it's changed how we decide what's bad and what's good. And in many ways, social media, it's empowered masses of people to raise their voices against what they consider to be the bad in the world. Some of this is really good. You know, people who are let down by the system can find a a different way to be heard and, and to call for justice. They can point out just how widespread bad behaviour really is and also just how widespread the cover-up of bad behaviour really is. We've seen entire industries can be more or less rotten. We've seen that even governments can be self-protective at times rather than protecting the vulnerable. People call it out. With everyone able to put their voice forward and 
with indignation being the thing on the internet that spreads like wildfire, it's, it's very hard for the idea that people are basically good to stay alive in that kind of ecosystem. Because we see a lot of stuff now that's just completely incompatible with that. If people are basically good, then why is there so much domestic violence? Why is there so much sexual assault and corruption and greed and the cover-up and the excusing and tolerating of these things? Now, if I'm reading things right, though, the general common sense answer now seems to be not that people are therefore basically bad, like you might expect, but that people are either basically good or they are basically bad. There's goodies and there's baddies. There's a book uh, written by some American academics. One of them's a psychologist. And the book argues that, that this is the case. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. It's a really positive kind of title. It must be an you know, uplifting kind of book. These authors basically say that American students coming to uni these days, they're less interested in truth and rational thinking, the kind of things you would hope that a uni would produce. And instead, they argue that there's three great untruths, or common senses, if you like, that society has sold them. And they say that these three untruths are what doesn't kill you makes you weaker, Always trust your feelings. And here's the one that I wanted to highlight. Life is a battle between good people and evil people. The new common sense seems to be that many of us are good people and so we need to go into battle in life against the evil people. And if that's true, if we're right about that, then that explains a lot about what we see on the internet, doesn't it? And a lot about how we see people interacting with each other when they disagree with each other. And just before we we move on to see what God has to say, God's answer to this question, have you noticed that no matter what answer you give to this question, are people basically good? When you move from the theoretical to the personal, how do people see themselves? Well, they see themselves as the good ones, don't they? Pretty much no one looks at themselves and thinks, I'm one of the bad people. Even a, a study with prisoners done by Sanford, uh, a university at Southampton showed this. The prisoners they studied, they believed themselves to have more kindness, morality, self-control and generosity than non-prisoners. They saw themselves as being better than average. But is that really any different to most of us? Uh, we all see ourselves as the good guys. And think about what this means if we're all the good guys. Life, if it's a battle between good people and bad people, that basically means we go through life looking to take sides, looking for a fight. And this common sense approach means that we're losing the ability to live alongside each other. We're losing the ability to disagree with each other and yet still be friends. But whether it's the old common sense answer or the new common sense answer, push hard enough on these answers, and they, they just don't cut it. And this is where we're going to move on now to see what God's answer is to this question. And what we're going to see is that God says in the Bible that essentially people are both basically good and 
basically bad. This is God's uncommon sense. But there's more to it than even that. Because God's uncommon sense, it says you, me, everyone is basically good and at the same time basically bad. But the Bible also says without a doubt that our basic goodness is overwhelmed by our badness. Now I'm going to explain what I mean by that and what I don't mean by that in a minute. And then we're going to finish by looking at a couple of ways that this makes sense of our lives and and actually really helps us live for the better. But first, let's, let's just wind back a tiny bit and see how it is that God says we are basically good. God tells us in the Bible in Genesis 1.27, he tells us we are made in his image. Have a look at what the Bible says here. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And after this, God, he looks at humanity after he's created us and all that he's made. And he says in verse 31, it is very good. Humanity is made in the image of God himself. We reflect him. We're made very good in in every sense of, of what that means. And even actually, even after humans reject God, even after we, we try to throw off being made in God's image to kind of make ourselves in our own image and go our own way, even still we read in, in Genesis 9 verse 6 that humans remain in God's image. God says, whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God, God has made mankind. Do you see that? Human life remains incredibly valuable, even after we've wanted to go our own way. Humans remain in the image of God no matter what. There's a a basic goodness to us that that we, we just can't shake even if we want to. But alongside this basic goodness that can never be shaken, we introduce something else. The story of, of God and people is that we reject God's goodness, every single one of us. And we choose in, instead to define for ourselves what's good and what's bad. You know, God might think something is bad, but I'm pretty happy to kind of consider that and go, actually, I think that's what's going to be good for me right now. We're pretty happy to redefine how he sees things. And so we're this complex mixture of both good and bad. Basically good because we're made in the image of God. But basically bad because we try to redefine good without God. And this struggle between good and evil, it goes on in the hearts and the minds of every one of us. It's actually what we see in the very first murder in the Bible, sadly, in the first few pages. Uh, If you know the story or don't know the story, Cain, is, he's, he's jealous of his brother. He's, he's intensely angry with his brother. And God actually says to him in 4 verse 7, to Cain, he says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Do you see the struggle there? Sin and evil They're not out there somewhere for us to go and find and do battle with. Where are they? They're crouching here, close. Jesus says in in Matthew 15 verse 18, he says, The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, 
murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Long before we encounter you know, sin and evil out there, it's very close. It's, it's crouching right at the door of our hearts and it wants us. But we've got to go to battle with it and beat it within us. You know what the great tragedy is? Is that this isn't a battle that you can fight in one moment or in one day or one season. This is, this is a lifelong battle that every one of us has within every single heart. Life is, yes, a battle between good and evil, but it's fought within first. That's God's uncommon sense. You know, why is a parent worried about sending their child out into the world? Well, it's because deep down, we're not so sure that people are basically good. And the truth is, we're not just worried about the psychopaths out there. We're also terrified of those little reception kids who can be so cruel as well. And they are cruel. But there's another dimension to this too, isn't there? Some parents, you know, they they think their kids are God's gift to the world and that they can do nothing wrong. They're blind to their faults. But most of us are just a little bit less convinced. Deep down, we know our own kids are a mixture of good and bad. They can even be those cruel reception kids, sadly. You know, before I was a dad, I, I thought I'd just be the most natural dad. In my head, the default was that I'd be awesome. And my kids would be awesome as well. Now, my kids are great and, and I love them and there's, there is actually lots of awesome things about them. But let me say my eyes have been opened. <laughs> if I just relied on my kids being naturally good and just sat back and if I didn't bother to try and shape them, I reckon it would be pretty easy to unleash monsters onto the world. Even trying There are some days where I think I'm still unleashing monsters on the world. Being a parent, it's incredibly difficult. And you know what? You don't just discover that your kids are not as basically good as you hope for. Long before you've got to contend with their selfishness and impatience and anger, you've got to battle it within yourself. Now my point is, if we just stop and properly reflect on things, even things like being a parent, Don't we see that God's uncommon sense is true? We are basically good and we are basically bad. This is what a Russian soldier called Alexander Solzhenitsyn discovered. He'd been a kind of guy in the army, uh, atheist, sold on on, um, Russian, you know, Soviet ideology. But he fell out of favour when he criticised Joseph Stalin in a letter and he ended up in a Russian gulag concentration camp and discovered quite a a few things about himself and about the world. And he wrote, "The The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor through classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts... Inside us it oscillates with the years and even within hearts overwhelmed by evil one small bridgehead of good is retained and even in the best of all hearts there remains an unuprooted small corner of evil. This guy, he went from embracing that Russian ideology, Soviet ideology and atheism to seeing that God's uncommon sense really is true. But what about you? 
Can you see the truth of this? Because this really, it's not just an interesting discussion or philosophical debate for us to discuss. This is a real problem, a personal problem. We might be okay with our hearts, you know, we might sort of look at our fellow humans and be a bit like those prisoners in that study and think, hey, I'm above average and therefore that's okay. But God doesn't see it at all that way. He says that even though we're a mixture of good and bad, our goodness is effectively overwhelmed by our badness. And he's personally offended by that. In the Bible, in in Romans 3 verse 10, God tells us, there is no one righteous, not even one. Now, we're not as bad as we could be. No way. We could be far worse. But even at our best moments, sin, tragically, is still crouching there. And that's a huge problem. Let me see if I can sort of explain to you, help you feel a bit more why that's a huge problem. Okay, so it's Mother's Day today, right? So I'll use, I'll use a mum as an example. Tell me what mum would be happy to entrust their child to a, a daycare centre, an early childhood worker, something like that. And that person wins the battle against their ice addiction nine out of ten days. What mum is going to go, yep, I'm happy to entrust my child into that person's care. Would you be okay with that? What about if it was 99 days out of 100? You know, 99%. They win that battle and they're a good early childhood worker. Or even 999 out of 1,000. Only once every three years when you drop off your child, the worker is going to be high on ice. Are you okay with that? See, no mother would be happy with that because the child is just too valuable and the stakes are just too high. And do you see how even with unbelievable odds, like 999 out of 1,000, the bad still can overwhelm the good? Now, I know in my own heart, in my struggle against selfishness and sin, I'm not winning 999 times out of 1,000. And I might see that as, well, it's a small deal, it's understandable. But God doesn't see it that way. He sees us failing with people who are too valuable to him. He sees the stakes as being too high. You know, being high on the job just doesn't cut it for a mother. Us keeping evil going in the world, that just doesn't cut it for God. It's a problem. And it's a problem that runs deep because no matter how much we try and overcome it, we can't win. And so even in the end, even though we're, we are basically good and basically bad, the bad overwhelms the goodness. It taints everything. Now, this, that is the essence of God's uncommon sense answer to this question. And so now, just for a, a couple of minutes, I want to think about, well, what difference does that make to our lives? What difference could God's uncommon sense make for how we approach life? Um, And the answer is, it could make a massive change. An absolute massive change to our stance towards other people and our stance towards God. Now, common sense tells us, you know, bad's out there while we justify what we find in here. But God's uncommon sense tells us it's far more complicated than that. It really is in here, in our hearts as well. The battle lines between good and evil are drawn in here. And this changes how we see people, doesn't it? 
if we truly see the human condition, that we're all basically like this, it means we look at each other differently. We change our stance towards other people. So first it means we can show dignity and compassion to others in the same situation as us. Even those who are the worst criminal perhaps, we can still recognize that they're made in the image of God. It means we can show love even to our enemies, even to people we don't agree with. Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is such a different stance towards people than we would have otherwise with the world's common sense. Instead of viewing people as either good or bad to be fought, instead we see people as good and bad just like me. People don't have to sign up to my list of beliefs and requirements before I'll show them kindness and friendship. Just imagine what our world would be like if we all lived like this with God's own common sense. It would be amazing. The irony, sad irony, is that our world claims to be on about diversity and tolerance and a melting pot of cultures and ideas, but sadly that's proving to be a house made of straw because it's just not built on any kind of solid foundation. And what we're seeing in our world is actually that we've become less tolerant, less accepting of people unless they have certain sanctioned ideas and definitions of diversity. And we're very quick to label whoever doesn't agree with us as speaking hate speech, very quick to label other people as bad people who need to be brought down. God's uncommon sense, it it gives us such a different way. Instead of looking to label other people as bad people, we actually label ourselves as those who are bad people. That is radical. But there's another major way God's uncommon sense makes a difference for how we approach life now. It also means we're not naive. It means we're not surprised when we see that darkness lives in every human heart. We're aware that bad touches everyone and and it can touch anyone at any point. Now this doesn't make us cynical, but it does make us wise. It, It affects how we live. You know, if we get this, if we truly get this, we won't put any human on a pedestal, save one, Jesus. We don't think anyone is above falling. Even the, the best examples, the best celebrities or the kindest people in our lives, even mothers, they're tainted by sin. And this means, if we, if we truly get this, that we'll take steps to ensure that we don't let evil flourish. You know, God's uncommon sense, it means that we should realize that whenever we just sit back and rest on the default, whether it's with our kids or our society or in our church, guess what's going to happen here? It's like my veggie patch. If I do nothing, you know what happens. The weeds take over. It's the same for us. If we really think that people are basically good, or if we think my group of people is basically good, then we're at risk of just letting evil flourish. We need to be people who are not naive and who follow through with that. Let me just give you a kind of personal example of that. You know, if, if I truly believe that I'm a mixture of good and bad, when someone comes to me with an issue with something I've done or said, what would common sense look like in how I respond? 
defensive, dismissive, or if I'm smart or shrewd, get on the attack because that's better than that's the most the best way to defend. But what's uncommon sense look like that God gives us? Well, whether you know whoever you are, if you have God's uncommon sense, you won't be naive about yourself or the other person. So I will listen and I'll expect that there's going to be at least some bit of truth in what that other person is saying. Because I know sin crouches at the door of my heart and I'll be quick to listen and quick and ready to say sorry if I need to. Do you see how uncommon sense makes such a difference in the world? The final place where this takes us is actually the most important place. Uncommon sense doesn't just change our stance towards each other. It changes our stance towards God. We want to reduce life to goodies and baddies and, and we want to be the goodies, but uncommon sense tells us powerfully that we just can't do that. The battle lines run through the hearts of each one of us and sometimes we win when the odds are against us, but other times we lose when we really should have won. And this, it's not something that just doesn't matter. It does matter, especially to God. If you cast your mind back to that reading with Isaiah or with Peter, Isaiah before God, he felt it acutely. Peter before Jesus, seeing something of who he was, what does he say? He suddenly sees his unworthiness. Uncommon sense drives us to turn to God desperately and say, I'm sorry, I don't deserve your help, but I need it. And the beautiful thing about God is he's not like us. He's so unlike us because he sees the full extent of our evil. And where does his heart go? It doesn't turn away in disgust. His heart goes out to us. He doesn't label us as an enemy to be battled. Instead, he longs to cure us. He sees the battle that we face in our hearts, a battle we can't win. And so in Jesus, God goes to the cross for us and dies in our place to win this battle on our behalf. Basically, Jesus takes our evil onto himself and he dies with it so that he can one day raise us with that evil staying dead and us being done with it for good. And we can't even get our heads around that. But what we can see clearly with God's uncommon sense is that we desperately need him. You know, the difference between a Christian and someone who's not a Christian, it's got nothing to do with how good they are. What it comes down to is a willingness to see, to admit before God that we need him. We're not good enough. We can't ever be good enough. This battle between good and evil in our hearts, is just not one we are going to win in our own strength. And really this leaves us all with a choice. We can keep following our own common sense, which in the end leads us just to push God away more and more. Or we can listen to his uncommon sense. Can you see how God's way really works in the world? How it really makes sense of the world? Don't ignore that. Trust him. Turn to him. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for for the heart that you have for us. Lord, we are experts in denying our own evil within us. 
at justifying it. And yet, Lord, you see it all so clearly. But your heart does not stand against us when we turn to you. Your heart comes out to us, so much so that Jesus would die to win this battle on our behalf, not only to save us from the consequences of sin, but to save us from the very reality of sin, that we will one day be in a world where there will not be evil, where this battle will be done with. Father, help us to see how your common, uncommon sense makes sense of the world, that instead of us being and looking to be against others, we can actually love even our enemies. Lord, help us to see that we need your uncommon sense. We need you. We need Jesus. And help us to turn to him and put our hope and trust in him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.